0: Do you consider yourself resilient? And what does that mean to you? In this podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs with Two for One, we chat with business owners about what resilience means to them, and they share their inspiring stories and life lessons.
1: What we've learned running our own businesses you're never alone, even when it feels like it. So tune in anytime to this podcast. We're always here for you, celebrating resilient entrepreneurs just like you. We're Lauren Vicky from Two for One, a marketing company for early stage business owners who want to launch, grow, and be resilient.
0: Welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs. This is the podcast where we celebrate the stories of successful entrepreneurs who've overcome challenges and setbacks to build thriving businesses. And in this episode, we're talking with Slava Podmorny. He's the CEO and founder of Vizartech which is a company that helps businesses advance their processes with robust engineering practices. And Slava is a true leader who not only focuses on implementing growth opportunities for his clients and his own company, but he also regularly shares his experience on various media platforms, such as Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine and many other podcasts. And we are privileged to have Slava with us today. His journey is one of resilience. And uh, welcome, welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs, Slava.
2: Thank you for the invitation and uh, hi to everyone. Vicky and Laura, uh, really nice to see you. And once again, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share something with the world. (laughs) I always like to do that.
0: Yeah, I see that you do. And I love that you are so generous with not only your knowledge about your industry, but also with yourself and your own personal story. And yours is, I mean, one of adversity. let's start at the very beginning, you were born in Ukraine, and then actually grew your business to the US. Tell us a bit about that. What's the backstory there? And how was that transition for you?
2: Yeah, that's true. I was born in Ukraine and grew up in Ukraine, got higher education there. So pretty much like the first part of my life was really connected to Ukraine. But at some point I realized that like local business um is not okay for me. The market is not so big. And I felt that okay, it's the time probably to scale the company. There were different opportunities at the time. But for some reason, I chose the U.S., probably the biggest market. And we always were focusing, you know, more in innovations. And I believe the U.S. is number one in terms of innovation, new technologies. So probably that's why uh, we, we started the business there also.
0: It's like living the big dream. Huh? When, when you make it in America, you make it anywhere.
2: <laughs> kind of, yeah. Based on movies, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This romantic
0: philosophy. <laughs> is that how you found it to be? Was it pretty easy for you to break into that market or?
2: or? Uh, there, there are some probably like bureaucratic obstacles at the very beginning, but nothing complicated. It was kind of easy open business. I mean, uh, from a legal point of view, make all the bank accounts, you know, all with like operational stuff. And I like people in the US, they're very open. It's really easy to talk to them. Any meetups, conferences, you can easily talk to anyone and find good contacts and opportunities.
0: So moving across uh, the planet to start your business in a new market, what were some of the first steps that you took? What secured and landed you your first client or two?
2: I would say, like, the first step is definitely to make all the legal operations just to make sure you're safe. Because when you're an entrepreneur, uh, it's really easy to break some rules and get into trouble, get some fine. The first thing, like, we hired pretty good consultants and they help us to open the legal part. Before any legal steps, we already had some clients in the US, but we realized that it's better to have, you know, physical presence there because you're definitely supposed to be closer to your clients. Uh, So you can speak like local language to them. The first client and the biggest one uh, at that moment, and we still actually collaborate with that client, was the golf company. They're doing like simulation. And we were really eager, you know, to help them to build uh, this. At that time, there were no such words as metaverse probably, but I now realize that we were doing and still doing metaverse for golf people where they can practice their skills.
1: Oh, that's cool. Did you find that it's changed now in terms of feeling like you need to be next to your client to be in the same proximity? I mean, since COVID and since Zoom and since So much has changed. What what do you think for your business? How has it
2: affected? You know, there's no direct answer, probably. I would say yes and no. Uh, Definitely, uh, it's so much more accessible. I mean, the internet, the communication, we can use Zoom, we have cameras, you know, and we used to that thing. Like we worked remotely, the whole company works remotely. There is no like physical location. At the same time, it's always always better to to be closer in terms of legal actions. It's better to have the company in the same legal zone as uh, your clients. Uh, it's for sure more protection for your clients, more trust, more transparency probably. But again, now I'm trying to open a, a new market uh, for our company, maybe Europe. We have a few clients from Europe, but I'm really interested to scale it up, uh, especially during the crisis. It's always an opportunity uh, to find something new and uh, enjoy it. But again, it, it's good when you grow it, like it's it's better definitely to be there and grow it personally. But when it's stable, maybe it's time to search for other markets, other countries. I wouldn't say it's it's a good idea to stay only in one country, but it depends on the business.
1: So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the people we work with are sort of in the early stages of finding a business so what advice would you give them once they kind of get to that stable place that you're just talking about and then they're ready to scale up and expand? Because I, we always like to think globally in our business and especially with Vicky moving to Australia after we started our business in small little Bermuda. Now we think a whole lot bigger in terms of what we're doing. But what advice would you give to someone as they're ready to sort of take that leap? What, what sort of challenges did you face and, and have to overcome and process?
2: probably you know cultural differences are the most complicated things i mean it's the same for not only for business yes even for just just people so i would say it's good to study the culture a little bit maybe uh, you must be fluent in that language or at least have someone near you to be fluent in that local language of course like we can use english right now everywhere but when you work with local clients again like i'm i'm trying to do this now in europe and it's so much different uh, like everyone speaks uh, English in Germany, for example, but it's still so much better to speak German. So, and I'm studying now another language, which is probably good for my brain. I don't
0: know. Oh, my goodness. How but, many languages are you speaking currently? Uh, three. Oh, great. Three and a half, I'm... I
2: would say. I, I speak Italian a little bit.
0: Ah, bueno. I, I'm not even sure if that was Italian. Oh, well. <laughs> um, and then, of course, I guess you're a coder as well. You speak computer language, no?
2: I used to. I have a master degree in computer science and I worked as a developer coder, you say, like maybe for five, six years. uh, So I was pretty much confident in in the specialty. But um, at some point I realized, okay, I need to switch to management. And after that, I scaled the business maybe four times, I don't know, maybe even eight times. A lot.
0: (laughs) Tell us about that process, scaling a business. I mean, it's a very interesting topic. And no matter where a person is in their business, they're always considering i think when are they going to scale how are they going to do the it big dream how big yeah <laughs> what's your experience with that
2: again like it, it's it's really nice uh, when you're in this scale process for example now it's a crisis and i feel that like we still try to scale even despite all you know all those challenges uh, because I, I believe the business any business is supposed to scale if the business is not scaling uh, it means you, you can have big troubles and very soon so it's, it's supposed to be a growing entity. If it's not growing, it's a problem. Uh, but w- when you scale, it's it's always a challenge because uh, definitely you have more advanced things and you think about higher I don't know, structures, processes, and other stuff. But sometimes people invest too much into scale itself and not concentrating on the production, actually. You always uh, need to make sure that you have, first of all, enough money to do that. And secondly, like that, uh, those processes will be syn- synchronically evol- evolved into kind of uh, processes which will work for your exact business and exact moment. Mm-hmm. For example, if you do very complicated team composition, it, it, it may be not effective for your business and you'll have a zero mar- margin of it. So maybe it's better to think more in adoption way so you need to adopt uh, the principles you need right now at the moment but also always like think about future
1: yeah absolutely um i'd like to to shift a little bit because i'm curious culturally especially but you know when you go back to your childhood what was entrepreneurship like growing up for you like were there entrepreneurs in your family were you a kid with a lemonade stand kind of thing or was it something came a little bit later in your life?
2: So uh, definitely it came later in my life, probably early university time. Uh, my family, my father is an uh, electric engineer, my mother is a journalist, so yeah, <laughs> so, it's it always been more about just doing the job and, uh, and so on. So I have zero business people in my family for generations probably. <laughs> And I would say it's the hardest part because sometimes I feel really stupid, like uh, uneducated in business. So trying to get more education there and just learn principles because it's harder when your family is not from business circles. You don't know how it works and how to make it efficient.
0: Yeah, and I guess you can't really ask them for advice or guidance on things because they're probably scratching their head saying, why are you doing this in the first place? Why don't you go and get a job?
2: <laughs> I know sometimes I'm still asking that question <laughs> to myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what was it that attracted you to entrepreneurship?
2: I was curious to scale things up, you know, just to make it uh, more strategic. Uh, when I was small I love to play strategic, strategic games uh, like Steam City, Civilization, all those big titles. You, you can play, control the world, the city, I don't know, improve it. And for, for me, it was very enjoyable. And I don't know, uh, I always tried in some online games. The, yeah, I, A lot of my childhood connected to games and uh, initially our company were doing computer game development. So <laughs> a lot of examples from game development probably. So yeah, I, I was concentrating on the game, building them, creating some new advancements and improving uh, the life of, for my citizens. So always was interesting to make a bigger impact. And I believe it's only possible if you do business, maybe politics, but I don't know, business looks more straight for me.
0: Uh, I'll take business over politics any day, any day. So, for Saba, you. is it true that your first client was uh, kind of an Instagram for pets?
2: Oh, yeah, that's true. Yep. Oh, tell uh, us about with, that. Uh, sure. uh, it's funny, actually, but it, it was nice example. So my partner and co-founder of UserTech, Anatoly, he's our CTO right now, and I, we, we decided, like, okay, it's time to do business. Uh, so we have found a client, and uh, there was a person from Spain, maybe Portugal, not sure. (laughs) It was like a long time ago. Uh, They asked us to build Instagram, but for a dog owner. So you have a dog, you can post a picture of your dogs, different specify like variables, like breeds and other stuff. And we basically... Copied like Instagram API, created and uh, product uh, at that moment in early iPhone and Android stores, uh, people were able to make really wild money out of simple applications. We all remember that story about a guy who made like a torch application and made like more than a million dollars just selling the torch application. Uh, we all wanted to be and- that
1: guy. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> It's it, That was like gold rush uh, times, probably. But many people, they neglected marketing activities and other stuff. Uh, they decide, okay, it's a store. You just post an application, you get success. But uh, our client made really good application. It worked. Uh, he had some good clients, but probably he missed to invest a lot into marketing. But it was nice application. It worked out. There were some people with docs. <laughs> really, it was nice to test the application to see all those pictures. <laughs>
0: So of course, this of course, would have been years before Instagram and Facebook was really taking off, or it was thirteen mm, years ago. I
2: would say, yeah, kind kind of. Uh, yeah, it's like two thousand ten, probably. Instagram was popular already, and Facebook definitely, but m- maybe not so popular as uh, today. People. Yeah leave their lives in instagram right now
1: <laughs> yeah those are the days of instagram where you actually could get to the end of your page like you'd be able to scroll yeah, right. and be like oh you've seen up to this point like oh cool okay i've, I've taken all of my instagram for the day and you'd move on now
0: there's no such thing all right there's no such thing I just for the think... record folks just for the record before we move on my new puppy has her own instagram account Stop. just had to get that out no, i
2: know people do that right now yeah Oh yeah, that's so nice,
0: actually. <laughs> oh, she's but just too adorable not to. So I want to know
1: how many followers she gets in the next like six months.
0: Six months? <laughs> You're giving me six months? That's very generous. I Thank you. I'll I need am. it.
1: <laughs> uh, I'd love to know, Slava, like what your feeling is on on what's coming next. I mean, we've been talking a lot about AI. We actually just did a, a webinar on on ChatGPT and sort of the power of that in marketing um, in general. But like, what, what's your feeling on what's next and how AI is is going to revolutionize your business and business in general?
2: Oh, we already, uh, 100% of our people, our workers, experts, they use uh, AI tools for sure uh, already. And uh, a lot of people in my network said, like, if you are an employee and you're not using AI, probably we need to say your farewell. So, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I mean, just in, in private conversations, but still, I, I see the trend that's uh, definitely... Uh, I believe like in maybe a few years, maybe five years, uh, not so far away, we'll all be using AI on a daily basis, and it will cut you know, some routine jobs uh, for, for us. Uh, we'll rely more on AI. Basically, like asking Siri for a weather today, yes, uh, we all do that every morning, probably just... <laughs> and. Before that, people used to you know, check the skies and that, that, that's it. <laughs> so AI will be a big thing. Everything will be using AI. Uh, it's just a little bit scary, but some it's evolution. Yes, uh, we cannot stop the progress.
1: Yeah, I've been calling it a revolution. I think we're going to look back on this time as such a pivotal moment in history and what's going to come next. I don't think we're, we can even fully understand yet like it's and it's just moving so fast to me i think it's super exciting but definitely we hear from a lot of people how hesitant they are how they are are just worried about losing their jobs but i think it's about how our jobs are going to evolve and like you said if you're not using it already and i've heard this before if you're not using ready in certain businesses you're ready obsolete like it's going to go so fast you've got to be using it and optimizing what you do yeah
2: that's true i mean the pace is like is fast right now uh, in in everything yes like we have so many events and actions happening around us and it, it's it's getting faster and faster you know like more accelerating model I would say yeah
0: yeah we were I seeing think... that chat GPT adoption rates in the first five days hit over a million users was it a million or three
2: it could be high yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It could be hype, you know, like we saw like many applications, uh, which were growing like really fast and dying really fast. But you see people still, they use more and more, they find new applications. I believe we're still not sure how to use the AI. I try to educate myself right now, like searching webinars. Maybe I'll get some sort of diploma for using those tools. I don't know. (laughs) I believe it will be a thing soon.
0: Oh, yeah. You will be adding Prompt Engineer to your resume as a new title. If you don't already <laughs> have it there. Yeah. Is there anything Probably, that you'd yeah. love it to do that it doesn't currently do? Is there anything in your day-to-day that you've thought, oh, if only it would do
2: this? To be honest, like, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I like science fiction and I believe we just need uh, those items to be closer to us. So, again, we'll hope that Apple will release uh, those headsets maybe this summer even and uh, I believe it's the future. Like, soon, mobile phones will die in a few years, I believe. And we all have like some sort of wearables, eye lenses. I don't know chips inside our brain. Probably longer with chips, but definitely glasses. Uh, and very wearis- soon. Yeah.
0: Look, and- since I've been a kid, I've often wondered why haven't they come out with a chip that you can just get implanted? Then. The dog gets the chip, the microchip in its back. Just give me a chip that has 15 different languages and I can be fluent wherever I go.
2: What are we waiting for? I believe actually languages will disappear very soon because uh, of those technologies. Like imagine you all have variables. Uh, they are smart, intelligent, and they're able to... Already, like if you know Skype, they have like live free translation. Like uh, it's really operational. Yes, you can really use it. Uh, imagine like, in a few years. There will be no languages in the world.
0: (laughs) So interesting. I hadn't even thought of it from that perspective. Here I am thinking I need the language, but actually everyone can just understand it because of translation. I'm so old school. Forgive me.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm too. I'm too. uh, I I still like you know petrol engines comparing to electric. I don't know why. (laughs) Oh,
0: (laughs) that's not a very favourable perspective. But we'll let you have it.
2: I can have it for a few years more, probably. Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: So you've been um, running your business now for over 13 years, which is impressive, right? Getting past the 10-year mark is impressive in business and something to be celebrated for sure. But no doubt, you didn't get there without some some good challenges along the way. So what, what have been some big ones that you've maybe had to deal with and overcome?
2: Again, for some reason, maybe some legal problems, not with government, but, uh, you know, sometimes... Uh, You work with different people, yes, different clients, and I would suggest people to be more careful with uh, agreements you sign because sometimes people don't want to to make it partnership. They don't want to do business. They just want to benefit out of uh, your collaboration. So I would suggest be careful with uh, agreements. Make sure you sign things you you can actually deliver because sometimes it's it's physically impossible, not because of your limitations or something like that. It's uh, you know just. Uh, tricky agreements. So invest into legal team, legal advisors. <laughs> no, I can tell by
0: that smile that you might have been burnt.
2: N- not so bad, actually. I had like a few bumpy moments in my business career connected to maybe some legal stuff. Everything was good. Like we delivered uh, whatever we supposed to deliver, but uh, and clients were happy in the moment. But after some time, they came back and said, look, oh, we don't satisfy, we don't like the job. And we ask why, what we can do. We always. I believe we work in kind of service. When you work with people, the client is always right. It's it's the rule. And uh, even if they're not correct, just try to help them make one step forward towards client and help them. And probably because of that, we were always able to avoid any problems because we always try to discuss, uh, find a resolution in a good face and uh, just deliver something to clients so they can return investments. It's always to be... Better communicate, uh, make sure everything is uh, noted in in agreement and other stuff just to make it safer.
0: So people aren't always what they seem to be?
2: Sometimes, no, but (laughs) it's rare occasions.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I guess that builds resilience. What would you consider resilience to be? How do you define that? What does it mean to you?
2: I would connect resilience to intelligence and to adaptation. So... You're intelligent if you're able to adapt to any circumstances. For example, current crisis. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Like the big war is happening and probably it's some sort of worldwide war. We'll know it in a few. Hopefully it will be end soon. At the same time, AI, as you can see, the, the speed of development is so fast. So you need to adapt even faster. You need to compete with more people, more and more people uh, available on the market every day. Yes, more students and there are smart people around you. <laughs> you still need to compete like you need to earn your uh, money so i would say resilience is adaptation and intelligence at the same time i like that I really definition
1: like that. yeah i really like that that's the first time someone said that um, in that way put it in that way and i i really appreciate that i think that's yeah yeah i think your perspective is a little different and very interesting and especially. Like you mentioned students, right? And and kids coming out of school now. I know I have children, they're, they're 10 and 14, and they adopt all technology as soon as it's out. They're interested, they're checking it out, they're using it. And it's different than older generations that are a little hesitant to try it out. And that's gonna be the difference in the next few years when these kids graduate, or even if they go to university, some may not, they might be able to learn through that new AI technology faster than us having to go back and learn it. They're learning it already and they're going to be able to adopt it really quickly and build all kinds of new, new things um, in the near future. So any advice for, for young people, to, what you might suggest if there's a young person interested in entrepreneurship, what would oh, you tell news them?
0: Newsflash, young people don't listen to advice. But oh. <laughs> <So> go ahead, <laughs> share it that's anyway,
1: Slava. Yeah,
2: that's true. I'm
1: always <laughs> hopeful they won't listen to me in- but they might listen
0: to others
2: yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so i would definitely like based on my experience what i've missed and now analyzed, like the, my life path uh, i would suggest probably go to a bigger company maybe corporation work there for a few years to get all those processes so you understand the structure uh, and start your business but i, I understand when you are entrepreneur sometimes it's hard you know to even think about working for someone Because you want to scale, you want to sell, you want to do the strategy, and it's so romantic and fascinating. So, but probably if it's possible, (laughs) try to work in a company just to understand, to educate yourself on a structure. They don't learn, you don't study structures, processes, human relations in in the university. You can study, but it's more synthetic knowledge. It's always better to have some practical Mm -hmm. use of it. So definitely it would be, you no know, much faster if I work somewhere in a big company and not start the business from the university.
0: It would have been faster for you, you're saying?
2: I believe so. Just a few years in the company to get around work culture. Because a lot of things I invented myself with my partner and the core team Some of us were never working in other companies. Uh, It was the first job or the first business. We made a lot of small, tiny mistakes, uh, which we could have avoided easily.
1: Um. Yeah, If you just get in and learn some systems, processes, how things work. Because, you know, and that's often what we forget as the entrepreneur. We're not just building the thing, be it the service or the product. You actually have to be the HR manager and the accountant, and which is stuff that you have. The the hardest part. The (laughs) hardest part, right? Because you don't know. All those operations. Exactly. And it takes so long to figure these things out. And you do. I mean, I know we've made our mistakes too. And it's part of the learning and part of the building. And I do think it is good advice to go work in the industry you're interested in and learn about it. Um, In fact, I heard on a podcast today, uh, Daniel Priestley actually um who vicky knows too mentioned starting at a startup so start working at somebody else's startup so that you're building alongside them (laughs) making all the mistakes but they're taking it's like they're taking all the stress and they're paying for (laughs) and they're paying for but you're learning because if you're in a huge corporation of 500 people you might just be doing one particular job learning only that skill set Which can be useful, but nowhere near as useful Mm -hmm. as being the person with six hats trying to figure it all out at the same time. I mean, what you would learn in that type of environment is um, very different and exciting and crazy.
2: But not obligatory. You can start your business straight away. Just if you feel that you, you're you ready, just just do it. <laughs> follow your dream.
0: <laughs> follow your dream. Great advice. And I think it's those small mistakes. Yes, it takes us a little off track so that we have to come back. But we learn from those. We build resilience. We don't do them again, hopefully. Um, so it's all part of the journey, really, isn't it? It's, I think it was Steve Jobs that said, you can only chart your path by looking back and then connecting
2: the dots. We don't know the future, yes. We can only forecast it a little bit.
0: Precisely. So, um, Slava, what's your number one book, podcast, speaker, or any other positive influence um, in your life?
2: Hmm. I like, uh, you know, like reading about management. It's a lot of like psychology inside the management uh, Initially, I started as an engineer, yes. So I was like more thinking about technical structures and data and other stuff. But when you start working with people, you realize that like, okay, it's all about people and people, they're not machines, they're irrational, they follow own path. And you need to find a way to adapt them and motivate. So you need to find a way to distinguish people based on their psychology. Yes, someone... There are some people who are really good with other people, yes. Uh, they have this, like, integration skill. And there are some people which are really good in performance, so uh, they perform better. There are some people, entrepreneurs, they like to sell, do the business, you know, flame things up, <laughs> one of a sudden. And it's, it's always good to have all those people. The book actually called Ideal Manager. He's explaining, like, how the ideal manager looks like and... Uh, He distinguished based on psychology, like dividing people in like four big groups. And if you balance those groups properly for your exact business, uh, you have uh, the ability to scale your company, make efficient processes and and other stuff.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Thanks for that. So great book uh, recommendation. Can I just take you back to a comment where you said, if you're not scaling, then there's probably going to be trouble in the near future. Can you flesh that out a little bit for us? what you're mm-hmm. thinking
2: of that. Sure. So uh, it, it's extremely easy. So uh, you have people inside your organization. Yes. Like, I don't know, freelancers, workers, employees, whatever, like, uh, but in, in any case, you invest into your people, you want them to be smarter. You want them to be better. But if you're not growing and those people are growing, they'll just uh, eventually evolutionary, they'll f- go out and find another job, which will be able to satisfy their proficiency. as yes, how their experts are. And, that's why the business can only grow it it cannot stagnate maybe once you're a big corporations differently but i have less knowledge about that to be honest Uh, but while you're like a small or mid-sized company it's it it must be constant growth because your people is growing and if you're not growing you're gonna lose good people if you lose good people you may even lose the business because business it's 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 for people by people yes it's, it's simple formula
1: Oh, that is such a good point that I haven't really heard talked about a lot, but it really is key, isn't it, to develop that team. But then you, as the entrepreneur, need to focus on how do you keep it growing, how do you keep it, you know, evolving and scaling so that you keep those good people because they're going to want to be incentivized to keep getting better too, upping their skills and leveling up the business so that you all kind of move together. It's an incredible thing to build a team like that, and and difficult but exciting in the same way. I love that. So final question. What is the best thing for you about being an entrepreneur? What is it that you truly love?
2: From time to time, I'm getting older, yes, and I'm not so passionate as I used to be, maybe less active, you know, more calmer person. At the same time, I still have this, when I was like playing those games in my, I was younger kid, I was playing those strategic games and uh, that feeling that you are growing, building, scaling, helping other people improve their lifestyle. Uh, that's what I like the best because as an entrepreneur, you can walk up during the night and got an idea like, oh my God, I got an idea. Like you just note it and you discuss with your team in the morning and it's a brilliant idea. The ability to make more artistic impact, uh, I would say, that's uh, fascinating the most for me. <laughs>
0: Slava, you've mentioned a couple of times about the crisis, we've talked very briefly about the war in Ukraine can we ask you personally where you are um, with all of that and how do you feel with what's going on and um, you have an incredible leader in that country, Um, obviously you're not in that country which is probably a really good thing, is there anything you wanted to share with us on that?
2: When I thinking about the company, the business, the past, the history. I also like think about uh, crises. Yeah, like our company survived like a few crises, like pretty big ones, like uh, coronavirus, uh, the lockdown. Uh, we, we we shaped our business differently. We went from offices uh, to remote work and never came back, which is so much good. Like we're more resilient now to anything. Like you have people in different countries, <laughs> it's really hard, you know, to uh, destroy the structure. Uh, at the same time the crisis uh, we all see the war yes it's terrible and uh, the worst uh, thing that uh, in long term it affects the economy because countries are more concentrated on military appliances and military businesses and helping people so it's definitely evolution for everyone Uh, we see that like weapon system are improved and even medical system improving and other things but still it's it's a huge gap when the whole world concentrated only on one uh, location, like one uh, problem, let's say. It's not like the Second World War, yeah, where our country was involved like physically fighting. But I believe it's kind of uh, that crisis where everyone economically at least involved uh, and world is separated into in camps which is not good but it's not about politics again it's more about economy influence on the crisis and now we see that the whole it sector went down by probably around 15 to 20% around the world yes less probably money for startups less money just uh, for comfort uh, I, I would say people spend more for uh surviving um uh, so that's the problem. And many businesses will probably will not survive this year. We all hope that uh, it, it will get better the next one. Yes, because this one looks like a <laughs> very hungry year, <area>, let's say, <laughs> for everyone on the market. But I'm really not sure that it will be ended next year with uh, president elections in America and other big events. I'm not sure it will, have, it will end. So, and we all see how companies react. Uh, they, optimize their people, they make their engineers, their production people more universal so they can, one person can do more jobs, be more efficient. I would say in general, if you're a good performer as a businessman or just as a developer or any other work, if you're really good in it, you'll have the job. You'll find your client, you will find your market. If you're not good at something you need still to study or you don't want to study, you're in trouble. There's a good chance you'll lose your job. (laughs) Um, you need to rethink, you know, (laughs) your motivation.
0: Yeah, it's very insightful. And it's a rare opportunity for us to be able to talk to somebody who knows the inside of Ukraine and has lived it. And you have such a hopeful global perspective on what's happening. And it's quite matter-of-fact, and I really appreciate that. And so thank you for sharing those personal insights um, with us and with our audience. And uh, yeah, I mean, on a business front, we just appreciate you being on Resilient Entrepreneurs and you're published in Forbes, in Entrepreneur. You are proficient in and profusely sharing your insights. So thank you uh, for for being on this podcast also.
2: Thank you for the opportunity to share the knowledge. I'm always grateful for people doing that. It's not so easy. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and we wish you the best as you continue to grow in Germany. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Thank you. New market race. That's
0: yes. True.
1: Wonderful. Best of luck with it all. See you again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Lauren Vicky from 2for1. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up Lead. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 241 brandingcom